0: Jordan is on best.
1: Welcome to another edition of the Corners Podcast. I'm your host Mark Schindler, joined by my co-host Tom Lewis. Today it's going to be the last podcast of August. Uh, I'll, I'll have it up tonight. So yeah, last podcast of August. We're heading into the off season. And, you know, we, we're going to have a couple podcasts coming up that are just going to be, uh, you know, talking about some of the nuances coming into the into the postseason before anything gets started up. But we still have a lot of other things in the works. First of all, Tom, how are you doing today, man?
0: Oh, I'm doing great. The off season is off and running, so um, hard to believe it's the end of August, but it literally is the last day of August, so ready to see what's on the horizon.
1: I agree. It's kind of crazy. And then, uh, so I have two things right off that. Number one, uh, you know, after last week, I, I was feeling pretty dismal for a little bit last week. <laughs> uh, I don't know how you were feeling. Um, even, you know, we've talked about before, not even like as much fans of the team, just more like as observers and like trying to wrap our heads around it. But I'm starting to feel pretty positive about how things are going. Um, I think we have a lot to look forward to this off season.
0: Yeah, as far as off seasons go, I mean, it's going to be very entertaining. And, you know, you never know, you know, from day to day, something might pop up and, and change the way everybody's thinking, you know. I mean, right now we think like Mike D'Antoni is the top coaching uh, possibility, but, you know, Kevin Pritchard spoke today and, and threw out some some misdirection with, with things that they're looking at. And so, you know, we, we don't know exactly what's going to be going on there until until they let us know. And, and usually I, I found over the years with the Pacers, you know, the, some of the best moves they make are when nobody nobody knows in advance and all of a sudden it drops. So um, we'll see uh, that could happen on a lot of fronts. Over the next couple months, but uh, you know we don't even know when the actual off season kicks off, as far as the draft and free agency and all that. So plenty of plenty of to uh, sit around and and ruminate on until it all all falls into place. Yeah,
1: exactly. I totally agree. And uh, speaking on that misdirection, but Kevin Pritchard in his statement today mentioned, uh, I don't have the direct quote, but it was about David West and and him kind of joined the organization, he was talking about coaching and mentioned David West. And it seemed like, you know, in talking with you before, it seems more like it's uh, trying to get insight rather than David being a coaching candidate himself.
0: Yeah, it sounded like he was reaching out to David for some uh, kind of an advisory role. And I think uh, Jay Michael had mentioned that uh, the Pacers had kind of reached out to uh, David in the past, trying to get him to take on a role with the organization obviously he's watching closely now with his um with David or TJ Warren in the mix here so um it, it sound more like an advisory but it sounded like maybe he had some some potential um coaching hires or or candidates i guess uh that the uh, preacher's going to be uh, digging into so that's interesting i mean I, I mean the guys are pros pro and 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 obviously he wants the best for the Pacers and, and TJ. So uh, not a bad guy. And he's been around some great organizations going to mm-hmm. the Spurs and then, you know, to the Warriors. So he's seen things inside and out at those places. So, uh, you know, a, a very good resource, I guess, for Pritchard to tap into.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. Um- and also, you know, just in speaking with him, he's uh, you've spoken to him more than I have, but he, he's he's very insightful and he's hes looking forward. He's not just like I saw somebody comment on uh, on IC about him maybe being, you know, because he was a mid range shooter in his days and was, you know, he was more of a throwback guy. Um, I think he's somebody who, would, you know, I'm not like I'm saying he's going to be the GM or something, but I think he's got very forward thinking ideas. He knows what the league's like now. So it'll be interesting to see how that unfolds. Um, Also looking at, you know, we're not going to divulge too much on on Pritchard's statements because that's pretty out in the open. Um, But he mentioned that Jeremy Lamb is on track to return in December after tearing his ACL. And I believe he tore his MCL or PCL as well um, in January of this, this, this current year Uh, to, to come back in time for December is pretty ridiculous in terms of recovery time. Like that's, Absurd. I know he's been working extremely hard. I was very surprised to see that. Um, I'm not sure what he's going to look like. Obviously, you never know what somebody's going to look like coming off a significant injury like that. But regardless, I mean, that's that's huge. That's very significant because I was under the impression that we might not have Jeremy for the entire season.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, you yeah, know, I think with those knees now, I mean, usually by the next season a guy comes back again, what will he look like is the bigger question. But, mm. you know, Hopefully uh, the way things roll out you know um, if he is in that role that he was originally expected to have kind of a six man coming off the bench um, you know where you're not relying on him to play heavy minutes um, that may be something where he can he can um, get his body up uh, to be able to fill that role a little quicker than you know if it was uh, you know like what we're looking for. Or with Victor Oladipo or somebody like that, he's coming back, and, and you know you gotta rely on him to be the man. So, uh, but yeah, that's good news. I mean, I, you know, it's hard to say why <laughs> it would be. And although you know, with those knees, different guys come back at different rates, um, and you know, it's not necessarily that some guys work harder or anything. It's just you know, there's there's gotta be a varying level of severity with everything, and and so maybe everything is just gone so well with with the rehab and and uh um and I, I, obviously he's been able to stay put and and do whatever he needs to do to work on it so um but yeah like I say that that was a surprising little negative of, of good news
1: yeah at the end definitely of the here. I totally agree um so one last thing I want to talk about before we get into our, our mailbag questions because surprise today is a mailbag pod um yeah, I think, obviously, in looking at coaching, uh, Lockdown Pacers, so Tony and, and Adam Friedman, they did a great job talking about some of the coaching candidates. I do want to bring up one candidate who wasn't brought up, who is my dream candidate for the Pacers. I obviously want to hear who you, uh, who you want to hear as well. Um, my dream candidate, who I don't think, this is like a total pipe dream, like it's not going to happen. Um, but I, I know, you know, he's really well-respected uh, in NBA circles as a former player and as a rising coach. Um, he's a little bit younger. Um, just mid forties uh, and he hasn't had an NBA head coaching job yet, but I really think that Jerry Stackhouse is somebody who deserves a look. Ah. Um, I think it'd be, he'd be very different from Nate. I need to, I'm looking at maybe writing something on it and, but it, we'll see because he's getting a lot of noise currently. So I think his, if he's not going to be looking for a job, because he was just at his first year at Vanderbilt. So I'm waiting to see mm-hmm. if his his agent is going to release a statement saying that he's not going to look for another job. Um, but I do think if – I mean, because he, he was in running for the, the Raptors job when Nick Nurse got it, um, and he was in running for the Memphis job last year as well before he ended up going to Vanderbilt. So – I think it's you know we we could see him get it soon, but I think it just given the team, I don't know if it'll happen. But I do like the idea. Yeah. Um, so I want to ask who
0: you think who who's your idea ideal candidate right now? Uh, well, you know that's interesting. Um, you mentioned Sackhouse. I know he has kind of had a, an interesting you know the late part of his career, and then he, you know he got into coaching and and you know I, I don't think in the early part of his career you would think of him as uh, the type of guy that would go into coaching. He was just more an athletic, active guy and, and never really did that much, you know, at, at the high, high level. um, Was, was always a, you know, uh, a guy who could dip buckets and was uh, an incredibly skilled player. Um, but a lot of times those guys aren't the the guys who are the coaching type guys, you know, who are – yeah, you know, a Nick nurse guy who's in the game because he can think the game all the time and, and um and all that and doesn't have that skill to rely on. But but Stackhouse has got this strong presence um and and uh that you've you've heard about where you know no one messed with him. <laughs> he oh, he was a tough guy that, you know, the stories come out later in his career how um you know he didn't mess around. And, and thinking about you saying that. Pritchard, one thing he mentioned was he he needs a guy who's going to be direct and and be able to communicate well with modern players. That's true. Um, as long as playing with a modern um, type of offense and type of thing, and you know, so you know, a younger guy or a guy who's been around and and has that gravitas, like like Stackhouse, would is actually a pretty interesting uh, idea there. And again, yeah, I don't know. If he would have the experience that they'd be looking for, even if he'd be interested at this point, but I, I, I think that's a pretty good, uh, good pull by you on that. So, I yeah, um, I'm, you know, I'm proud of myself
1: for it. I think, I, <laughs> I think things through occasionally. Um, but yeah, I mean, who would you look for? Like right now, like I think if you say Mike D'Antonio, I'll be deeply disappointed because I'm expecting you know another pull out of the yeah, I mean, barrel. But
0: well, I mean, yeah, I haven't given it that much thought on, on the. Uh, as far as the leading candidates, a guy that I, I always like, I mean, D'Antoni would be a guy if, if they brought him in, I would think, okay, who, who's going to be on his staff? What What's the long-term kind of plan here? Um, I, I find it funny. I mean, I know New Orleans is after him. A lot of, a lot of teams are after him. And I mean, he's bounced around the league and mm-hmm. hasn't always been successful. So um, if it's just that style you're looking for, I mean, he's got plenty of, Guys who've coaches and maybe you can find a guy who's, who's younger, who runs that kind of style. Um, if we're talking about another veteran coach, I mean, I wouldn't mind like Jeff Van Gundy um, as a guy who could come in and, and establish uh, something different. I know he's obviously been uh, announcing for several years now, but I mean, he's always, he's still involved in coaching. He does um, USA Basketball some as well. Um, as far as younger guys, you know, even a guy like Jason Kidd, I feel like he might be trying to, you know, land in a bigger market type, you know. I always think of him that way. Like, he he mm-hmm. wants a little of the shine. But, I mean, I finally noticed him out in L.A. And, and, the, and the thing with Vogel taking over um, L.A. and having Kidd on the bench, it was assumed that, you know, at some point <laughs> the forces that be, whether it be the players or Kidd himself, would, would – move that in a direction where he would take over there. Um, but it seems like he's been a pretty loyal assistant the past few years and, in, in, you know, putting in the work. I mean, those assistant coaches aren't doing nothing on an NBA bench. And if, you know, you're a former all-star who's willing to do that, you know, that's you know, that's, a, that's a good sign that, that you're ready to, uh, uh, you know, possibly would, would want to take a, a job that opens up like the Pacers were. You know it's not a build up from the bottom, that you know, from the bottom, um, type of job. Um, who else out there? Who are, you, who are you thinking of?
1: Yeah, so okay, that's a great, great point. I am not a huge f- fan of Jason Kidd. Um, just I'm I not think, either, yeah.
0: <laughs> I've been just like looking at Yeah, them.
1: no, I didn't, I didn't mean to posit you as that way, but yeah, I think, yeah, I think he's got potential as a coach because yeah. he's always, you know, he's always had a great basketball mind. And speaking of like just to go off what you said about Stackhouse, it's actually really funny. Cause I think like in terms of like the top guys, I mean, they have great minds for the game, you know, really athletic bucket getter types. Like, um, but it's funny because one of my, co- I had, a, when I was playing high school football, one of my coaches was an all American at Ohio state uh, when he was playing in college and and he played in the NFL for 10 years. Worst coach I ever had because he didn't understand <laughs> why I wasn't six foot seven. And I couldn't right. you know, just totally pummel somebody. So it was like, you know, it's, that's that's kind of where it comes in a little bit. I think having uh, a little bit – humility is the wrong word, but having, like, a lesser perspective where you don't yeah. – you weren't the top of the top, um, but you're able to watch those other people grow into that. But I think there have been some coaches who really figured that out, and we're still waiting for that with Jason Kidd. I think Jerry Sackhouse shows some of that. One name – actually, I don't mind Jeff Van Gundy. I like the idea of Stan, though. I think Stan would be really – Really good. Um, I, a lot of the reason why the Pistons failed when he was there, um, and you know, I obviously I'm not a Pistons cover, but I've talked to some guys who who are. Um, I mean, it's just because he was the GM. I think that was a huge issue for his. Yeah, time that is. And was, what he did in Orlando and Miami too was, was was really good. He ran not as much in Miami, but with Orlando, he was kind of a pioneer of a very modern offense. Uh, when when Dwight was there, I mean, they led the league in offense a couple times. They were at the top of the league in three-point shooting the year that they went and played the Lakers in Um, So I think, I mean, he brings some really interesting things. I think he's learned a lot in his time off. And he's just a great guy, and he would provide some in- insanely good press conferences. Um, but at the same time, if, if he leaves TNT, then we have to hear C- Chris Weber more. So I, I don't <laughs> know if I want that that much. But, yeah, um, I think there's a lot of interesting ones to look at. We'll have a full pod evaluating coaches soon. Um, And I'm sure we'll have more from the, the organization from there, unless you have anything else you want to add. That.
0: Yeah, no, I'm just, like I said, I'm going off the top of my head as we're talking. But, yeah, I mean, you got um, I always remember when Stan Van Gundy was spotted downtown in Indy um, and there was a lot of speculation um, about them bringing him in and all of a sudden they hired Jim O'Brien. It was boom. So – um, that worked well. The, the team has considered him in the past. So. <laughs> no. oh, my um, so, so
1: getting into our first questions, you know, kind of right off those. Uh, number one from SpongeBob Karate Shops. I always <laughs> some of the names we got on. I see are great, man. Yeah, really? um, so he asked if we've done any research on D'Antoni. Uh, watched a YouTube basketball Jones interview of him. Seems like a great personality. So I've talked to Mike D'Antoni before, and he's super personable. Great guy. Um, I haven't done a ton of research on him yet, but just from, you know, going back and watching stuff from when he was in Phoenix or with the Knicks, I mean, I think the idea that he's going to play small ball wherever he goes is kind of wrong. I mean, I think that's that, I I don't know if you agree, Tom, but I've seen that a lot. I think a lot of that's more of, I mean, Daryl Morey trying to maximize what D'Antoni can bring to the table. And I think D'Antoni will make a roster work. Um, it's – you know, I, I think that – I've seen somebody say, you know, if D'Antoni's going to be there, then we are going to we can't play Domas or something like that. I don't think so. I mean, I think Kalen oh, is, is probably going to have even better analysis on it than I will. But, um, I mean, he's made things work. I mean, he had um, played two bigs in, in New York, played two bigs in, in Phoenix. Um, and even when they played one big, they made things work. I mean, uh, Amari Sotomayor, obviously, a lot more athletic than Domas. But they did a lot of stuff out of the high post with him and, and working with Steve Nash and there's not going to be a Steve Nash level guy on the Pacers. Um, but I, I have full confidence that a guy with D'Antoni's acumen could make uh, Sabonis pick and roll work 100% and, and adding in a lot of wrinkles. That'd be interesting. Um, so, yeah, I, I think D'Antoni, I, I mean, I, I love the idea of him as a candidate. I was, I'm not sure that it'll happen. Um, but yeah, that's, I think we're, we've kind of echoed on that one already.
0: Yeah, and I I think, you know, just focusing on Domas there and how he would fit. Domas is going to (laughs) fit in uh, whatever system you have because he just knows how to play. And, you know, you can play through him and pass out because he he is such a good ball handler. Um, You know, it's not unlike how Miami is playing, Um, you know, spreading the floor and and they're getting plenty of threes. And and, um, I think, uh, you know, Lifting at the pace uh, more would be a big thing with D'Antoni. With I know, you know, Mate was, you know, always whenever he was asked about the pace, he always wanted the Pacers to, um, you know, always talked about playing at a, at a faster pace and shooting more threes. But he also adhered to um, the idea of that you know, get the ball out in transition, go, go, go. Um, And try to score quick. If you can't score quick, then pull it out, make the other team expend energy playing defense and try and score late. So, you know, that isn't always going to keep your pace going if if that's the idea. Whereas, you know, I think Damponi just in general would be, yeah, get the ball out, get going quick. If it's not there, pass it to somebody, let's get a shot up. So, um, definitely a little more quick when you think about his time with the Suns in particular. Um, and, again, his personnel, I think, like you say, he, he'll, he'd adjust to what other personnel is there. You know, we we'll kind of assume there would be some changes. Um, but, you know, maybe not. Maybe Victor settles in. He's, he's back healthy. And, and if they bring the Vic back, um, there'll be a way to, to work around it and set something up. So, um, I, yeah, it, it would be intriguing. It would be so so different, though. It's just it's hard to visualize it yeah Uh, at this point and that's where I always get stuck is like yeah this would be great this would be great this would be great but I don't know how can they do that yeah
1: I think regardless next year is just going to be a very we're going to see a completely different team I mean that happens anytime a coaching change occurs but it's going to be very different I'm I'm excited for it um so kind of going off that as well a question by life in paradise um he actually posed quite a few questions I think that well uh, we'll just do the first two because they uh they kind of go right along in line with it uh who is most likely within the range of simon's budget for coach as well as availability um so i think i'm looking at it more in terms of is uh herb simon going to 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 shell out for a coach and i think by letting go of nate my read on it personally is that i think he will um i mean herb simon's what 85 so i think not to say he's gonna go anytime soon but i mean he's getting up there uh and by not wanting to settle with, with what was going on, not saying it was completely Nate's fault, but um, I do think that in some ways that if if you weren't to go out and spend the money to get a coach that you consider better than Nate McMillan, then I think it's a, it's kind of confusing to fire him in the first place. So I think that's uh, – what do you think on that, Tom?
0: Yeah, I, I think exactly right. You, you know, Nate's going to have a good year. Um <laughs> getting paid uh, for not coaching and and actually I think uh, um, Pritchard mentioned that today that like um, just the fact that he's doing that makes it apparent that money is not an object um, with the coaching search so I think it comes more down to what coaches would be uh, would want to come and and coach her and then okay you know Are they, you know, how much money are you going to pay? You, you don't want to overpay for a coach without the experience or without the, you know, um, big name or, or any of that. But uh, and so it kind of goes both ways there. But it sounds like at least, you know, at least that's what we're hearing now that, um, you know, money is not going to be an issue with, with the name of the coach.
1: Yeah, exactly. And then so the second part off that, is what do you think this means for the current assistant coaching staff? And that's actually a really great question because I have wondered on that. I mean, Dan Burke's been a coach in Indiana since before I was born. Um, I'm not sure how long Popeye's been around. I know Bill Bano's only within the last two or three years, I believe, because um, he was. Yeah, in- that's about
0: the same with Popeye. Yeah,
1: because I was going to say Bill. Bill was the head coach at New Mexico before he went to uh, what came into the NBA as an assistant, if I remember correctly. Um, yeah, I, I think that's a really interesting question. Um, especially you look at Dan Burke, he's been here through what six coaches now because he was here when Isaiah was here. So,
0: and Bird, yeah, he's yeah, he's and been, Bird. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So that's
1: six coaches. So, that's, yeah. Bird, Thomas, Carlisle, um, O'Brien, Vogel, and McMillan. So, yeah, six coaches. Um, I don't know, Tom. I I think, I mean, I've never interacted with Dan Burke. I know he doesn't really normally do media stuff, um, but you've been around with it for for a while. So I'm just, you know, speaking on that, what would your opinion be on that? Because I think you're looking probably more at, is Dan Burke going to be around next year?
0: Yeah, I I would assume he's going to be around just because that's how it it has been. Um, The one thing that, you know, kind of was interesting was how we, you know, heard the players kind of, you know, through the reporting that they were not real happy with the defensive um, setup they had and, and without switching as much as other teams, which made it, um, you know, rougher on them, you know, when you, when you got to the other end of the floor. So um, – and that's kind of been a hallmark of, of Burke's defense is how they just manned up and stayed with their man. Um, so, obviously, he is – He's not someone who I wouldn't assume wouldn't be able to adjust and, and change his scheme or change, change the way they're doing things and still set up, you know, uh, a strong uh, defense. So um, – but it may be a case where he um, – you know, maybe he feels like maybe it's time for him to go as well, um, if, if that's the case, if if it wasn't a perfect fit with the players this year. Also, obviously – Whenever he's stayed around, the incoming coach has had to say, yeah, keep can't yeah. work around. So, uh, but I mean, he, he's just a solid guy to have on that bench because he's been through so much with the organization, but also like in the game. I mean, he'll, he'll get into guys when you need it. Um, and it's a good, you know, whatever kind of relationship, you know, they want the head coach to have. Um, uh, you still need a guy who's going to demand something from the players. and, um, he'll be. He'll always be able to do that.
1: Yeah, definitely. So I, yeah, I, I think I lean with you. I think he'll be around next year. I, I can't speak on Popeye and and, and Bill. I'm not sure, um, but I would be kind of surprised if Dan's not around next year because that's just historically that's what happens. So, uh, we'll see on that one. Looking at so next question. Um, so this one's more of just I, I want to just quick thing on this. Um, from Dwayne K, who's out there that the Pacers could trade for. That fills a need is gettable, and that we don't give up too much for. Um,
0: oh, that's sounds
1: easy. Exactly. That's that was my point. Not to dunk on you, man, but I think that's that's tough. I think the idea that, um, I mean, we really obviously Pritchard made a great move, and I'm sure that they did background on Sabonis and, and Oladipo. Um, but that's lucky, you know. They were getting having a trade go through where it actually benefits both teams or in, in some cases actually is even better for both teams. I mean, I would still argue, I mean, the, the better player went to OKC as much as I'm going to get crapped on for that. Paul George had an almost MVP season last year. Yeah. Um, it, is, it just doesn't happen often. Um, so I think that's tough. There really isn't anything to work with in terms of free agency this year. It'll be mostly minimum deals and we'll have the MLE. Um, but the MLE could very well go – well, actually, no, the MLE wouldn't have to be used to re-sign Justin Holiday. So you could re-sign Justin Holiday if he does stay um, and you get somebody with the MLE. So, I, I mean, in terms of looking for the MLE, that's going to be more of a future pod. Um, I do have something coming up on free agency. Uh, but there there are definitely a lot of options, primarily a four who can shoot threes. But, you know, that's evaded us for five seasons, so we'll see what happens. Um, you know, getting into – let's look at the next one um so from infinity zero dot system error uh who do you think was the problem child uh with in parentheses s so multiple in the locker room and i think you know my first thing on this is i don't technically think that there was necessarily a problem child in the locker room but i want to turn this over to you really quick
0: yeah I, i mean i don't either uh this is one of the best groups that um you that you know, I've seen in, in a long time, and I mean, there's been some good groups, but then you hear things after the fact. Um, I mean, it sounds like there is, if if by problem child, you mean the guys who weren't help, happy with, um, uh, you know, the offense and, and the way, and maybe the defense. I mean, we heard from Malcolm Brogdon, of all well people, um, and I'm, I'm sure, you know, there are several. Guys who maybe who, especially guys who had played in different places and, and seen different styles, maybe even Justin Holiday who'd been around, um, some, some good systems that, you know, maybe wanted to try and implement some different things, but they, they were, you know, sticking with what they had done. So, um, but you know, I guess I'm stuck on the, on the problem child thing. I, because I don't think i I'm trying, cycling through in my head. I mean, you know, and I only think of Victor Oladipo just because he's such a big personality, um, and, and it, it feels like his um, you know feel for the team and, and staying here long term and all that has changed since his injury. Probably, actually, let me check that. probably changed since the extension offer was given to him. Yeah. Um, so you know, but. You know, you never heard that. He, I, I wouldn't say he was dogged it in any games when he was out there because he, he wasn't 100% healthy and, um, and he was he was doing what he could. Um, so, um, you know, as far as somebody who's native and bringing that team down, I just don't see anybody. Yeah, I, I agree.
1: So, I think I, know, I think a lot of this is coming from Justin Holliday's comments that came out last week that Jay Michael reported. Um I think that it got taken in the wrong way a little bit. I think it was more instead of Justin saying that the locker room was terrible, it's more of just, you know, as has come out more with uh, Jay, Jay has done some freaking awesome reporting, by the way. I don't know if you mm-hmm. I actually finally subscribed yeah. to the Indy star as well, cause I ran out of my <laughs> free views. Um, but no, I mean, I think it's more of just the guys didn't have a great connection with coach McMillan. It seems like that's the, yeah. the vibe that I get from reading through everything. I don't think that there was necessarily somebody who was an issue in the locker room. Um, I think they were just hoping for somebody who was going to do, you know, kind of like band the guys together, bring them together when they were down in the hole and and change things. And that didn't happen. I think that's where the frustration came through with, with Nate. You know, that's my personal opinion. You know, you you look for somebody who comes to the helm and is like, okay, we're going to make these changes, do this. And not say that Nate didn't make changes, but you know what I mean? Like not making sweeping changes to the offense or the defense. And, you know, that's, that's, I think that's where it really stems from. And in terms, yeah. I think a lot of people look at this and point at Victor. And I think to some extent that's unfair because um, like you mentioned, I mean, he's he's got a huge personality and that's very few guys on this team are like that. Um, and I think he's a great guy. Obviously things have come up that have made it seem like he wants to go elsewhere. I'm still not, you know, obviously that's just tongue in cheek. Um, but I, I think sometimes we get a little bit too caught up with thinking just because somebody has a big personality, then they're, Maybe a problem. I just think Victor loves playing basketball. Um, he, he likes being the best. He wants to be the best. I mean, you can tell every time you talk to him, that's the fire and competitiveness he brings to the game uh, and anything he does in life. So I, I don't think that he's necessarily like some diva or just, just striving for people's attention. I do think that he was probably not... <laughs> not thrilled with the extension offer um, because he sees himself as a guy who, when he's healthy, he can be the best player on a, on a really good team. And I don't think that, you know, maybe he could handle things differently, but at the same time, I think if it look at it from somebody else's perspective, like if you're working at your office job or something, and you think that you're worth $150,000 a year and they offer you 90, I mean, you'd be a little bit frustrated, so I think that that's just kind of where I'm coming from on it. I, you know, I, I, I maybe I'm a little bit too impartial to Victor, and and I think he's a really great person and and a good player when he's healthy. But that's that's just kind of where I'm coming from on it.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely his his change his his dynamic with the team has changed some. But um, I, I, I know, Pritchard mentioned to Dave that you know his he he has spoken with Victor. He you know, he's always pitcher's always going to present a positive light about things, but, you know, basically his goal is to make sure that he and Victor are communicating, no matter what happens down the road, that they're they're on the same page, so, you know, you're, you're kind of avoiding the Paul George softball game comments followed by the report that Paul George wants out type deal. Um, now, we'll see if that happens, because they haven't, obviously there's been times this past year where um, things have been coming out, and they haven't been. Having those conversations before for news breaks, so um, we'll see on all that. So and you know, I, I think going back to Justin those guys, you know, as you're saying, they're you know look, looking looking to Nate and hoping that someone steps up when things are going down. And and the funny thing in the NBA is you got to look the players to do, at that point, and the Pacers really didn't have that player. Yeah, to shoot, exactly. To step up and and go. You know, like Jamal Murray or, or Don Mitchell last night. They have been insane, insane, man. The, those those type of players, the Pacers are, are, are lacking that right now. Um, and you know, Victor was that guy a couple of years ago, and and um, we'll see if he can get back there, whether it's here or not. But um, that's that's what this offseason is about: trying to get the team where where they have all those kind of pieces in place.
1: Yeah. 100% and so this is a uh, from infinity zero got system error as well but echoed from a lot of the, the questions we got um a is is miles you know first of all does Turbonis get another run with a new coach <laughs> and that feeds off into is Turbonis a thing next year and i think personally i think um i lean more towards miles probably getting traded uh, and i'll say why in a second i want to ask you as well but i, I think Terbonis is, is dead and gone. Um, I don't think that we will see them in uniform together next season. I would be surprised if one of them is not dealt this off season.
0: I would too. Um, and that comes after, you know, Pritchard today saying that both – talking with both Miles and Domas, they both said separately that they wanted to play with the other guy. But obviously um, you're not going to say, yeah, one of these guys wants out. So that's GM speak um, – it just for for what the organization is saying as far as changing the way they're playing and modernizing um I, you know there are double big teams out there now we'll see we'll see how they do the rest of the way here but um the, the way that to me with miles it's the consistency thing he has a skill set that could make it work and and be a, a turn it into an advantage for the Pacers. Pacer. Um, but it just doesn't show up every night, um, unfortunately. And, and that's the thing that is frustrating. And it's been that way for you know, a couple of years now. So, um, are, you, are you betting on one more go around to see if they can get it? Or, um, you know, because they were starting to play pretty well together right at the end. But um, I think if the opportunity is there, you um, and in the past, they've said that people have called about miles all the time, and they and they shut it down. Well, maybe maybe this year you're you're exploring those ideas that other teams are bringing to you, and if the right ones there, um, I I would really be surprised if they passed on it.
1: Yeah, yeah, I agree, and I think what I've come to because I I do a lot of stuff in terms of not to hype myself up, but I do a lot of stuff in looking at you know front office. <laughs> And how they, you know, how front offices build, how teams are built and uh, trying to go through and see what trades work and how things work. Basically, I mean, it's going to be, and this is not to say that one guy is better than the other. I mean, I think right now Sabonis is definitely better than Miles, but Miles has a world of potential. And I think as does Domas, I think there's an idea that Domas is capped at what he is right now. I, I think that he could continue to grow quite a bit. Um, I mean, they're both 23, 24. So, I mean, Domas just yeah. had his first all-star season. And especially looking at bigs, they normally don't peak, especially non-athletic bigs. Not saying they're not athletic, but their game's not predicated on being extremely athletic. So, I think, yeah. I mean, you look at them, their games could peak in their late 20s. I mean, there, there's a lot to look at in terms of them moving forward. Um, but Miles' deal is a lot more movable. And I think he scales better to other teams than Domas does. Because with Domas, I mean, he thrives. At, he can be a, an awesome role man, but you, you don't want to pay somebody $18 million a year just to be a role man. I mean, he's he's good at having his hands on the offense and, and doing a ton with the offense. I think he was seventh in the league in terms of just ball touches and passes this year. Um, it, I, I might be wrong on those numbers, but I know he was top 10 in terms of just percentage of the offense that ran through him. So that, you know, it's hard for other teams to to build their team around that when you're trading in for somebody. With Miles, I mean, even with a bigger, or smaller role, he makes sense on other teams because he can shoot and he can defend the rim. Uh, so I think there that's just why, even though Domas might be more skilled right now, I think you could get a better return for Miles just because more teams are going to be open to trading for him um, because he brings something that, you know, I think it's becoming more prevalent, but it's still pretty not uh, – not commonplace to have a, a center who can credibly shoot on volume from three and protect the rim at it. He's probably a top three rim protector in the league. I think it will obviously go bare and Brooke Lopez ahead of him for me. Um, and then I'd say he's probably the third best rim protector in the league. But, yeah, that's my long way of saying. I think that I would bet Miles is who gets traded because he's just easier to trade than Domas. Right, right. I think you're right. Which that factors in a lot more. You know, that's something I've learned – Obviously, this is only like my first year really covering things. But in in terms of, you know, in talking to people who have been GMs and talking to people who worked in front offices and trying to understand these things, I think in a lot of ways, uh, what seems great in 2K or in, you know, in trade machines, it doesn't work that easily in real life. It's It comes a lot more down to what works best for both teams, because really, I mean, for the most part, you're never going to have a trade that is just completely one sided. It doesn't happen often. Because you're not trying to, you have to work with that team again someday, you know, so you can't just totally pull one over. Um, So, yeah, that's just something that I look at right away, but I do think uh, we are done with Turbonus. Um, So, last question we're going to get in here for the mailbag. It's kind of a little bit of a loaded one, but a good one by uh, Spree Googs. I think I said it right, Spree Googs. Man, Tom, we're we're getting killed with these names today. It is hard to say them. It's pretty good. uh, Oh, dude, I like him. He's great. I love – see, it's awesome. We have some great people who comment on IC. Um, So this is what he said. The question, is there a path to real conference contention without tanking or rebuilding? And he says, I love it that the Pacers don't lose games on purpose. I agree. It's great to watch a competitive team every season, but our entire roster except Miles and Aaron has come via free agency or trades. Getting a bunch of production out of guys on rookie deals is an easy path to maximizing the value of a roster. So is going over the cap to re-sign players as restricted free agents? Can't do that if you're not drafting and developing your own talent. Is Simon okay with being stuck in the mediocrity cycle forever? Um, so the, I want to hit that last one really quick. I, I don't know what your opinion is, but I, I think it's – I don't agree with the Pacers being mediocre. Because to me, mediocre is being average – and the Pacers are above average. They're, they're just Absolutely. high enough above average to not be bad enough to be considered average, but they're <laughs> not good enough to be considered great. That's what it comes down to with the Pacers for me, because I think maybe with different coach or different circumstances, they're a second-round team at least twice in the last, uh, last couple of years. But I, So to me, that's not mediocrity. That's just not having the same ceiling. Um, but I get where he's coming from. But I, would you consider that mediocrity?
0: Yeah, and, you know, and a guy like Spree Goog and Infinity and these guys who, you know, really follow the team yep. very closely, like we, we do. Um, it feels like a mediocre team because you, you know all the wards, but I mean, yeah, they're, they're fourth in the East. <laughs> um, and had a, a great season and they fired the coach. So I guess right away, no, they're not, not happy with being mediocre in the middle. Um, that, And generally that has been the case when they haven't performed well in the, in the playoffs. There's been changes of some sort or another. You know, last year was, you know, letting guys go and and bringing in some new players. Um, now we're getting new coaches. And I, the one thing though that Simon isn't down for is a a rebuild, uh, a bottoming out and trying to get that top five rookie pick on a rookie deal. Um, so obviously unless something happened where there were some injuries that completely killed the team I, you know they won't do that so that's where you're coming in right now it is a a good point if you can make, make the right deal obviously it's all contingent on salaries and everything but if you are moving some of the higher profile players like we mentioned earlier and getting a young pick in there who can develop into a, a big contributor on that rookie deal. That is always a huge bonus. Um, so, other than that though, I mean, they, they've got a good core base of talent right now. I mean, uh, all under contract, all under decent contracts. Um, so, uh, you know, they, they gotta either get everybody healthy, completely healthy and rolling. Um, or try and make a move to Toriak and, and, and add that talent in there, um, but I don't think they're 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 obviously not happy sitting with it right are in the middle and, and losing the first round of the playoffs. Um, there was heavy heavy agitation even in this crazy year with, with all that happened, and it would have been easy to wipe wipe away the end of the year and just say, oh well, we survived this year. It was too crazy. Can't wait to reset next year. And, and then we'll we'll move forward from there. You know, no, they're, they weren't happy with that. So um, they want to be up there um, with the Miamis and, and the Bostons year in and year out. And I think, you know, I look at Miami right now as much as it pains me, but um, the way that they go about their business is ideal. Um, you know, they got those crazy young guys on good contracts that are helping. Uh, but also once they started seeing that young talent, Boom! They make a deal. They get Jimmy Butler in there. Uh, they get a, a good veteran talent, um, and they're, you know, off and running all of a sudden, and and, and looking solid with a with a great future. So, um, you know, some of that may be luck, but um, you do you do gotta get some of those young guys in there and, and give them a chance. I know the Pacers have let some young guys go recently. Yeah, I think about Glenn Robinson third, even George Yang, who's in the playoffs, although he didn't look too great last night. Yeah, he, but regardless, he's, he's fine with him a, being gone. He's been playing a pretty good, big role right. um, and never really got a chance with the Pacers. That You know, there's been you know certain guys, you know, we're thinking right now like Edmund Sumner, guys like that, who maybe expand their role a little bit instead of bringing in an extra free agent um, and and try and maximize that talent and then use the money, pool more money – um, to get a better player. I don't know. But um, anyways, going around and around, I don't think they're satisfied being in mediocre, but the fact that they don't want to bottom out either um, kind of makes it harder to, to take that leap um, without kind of getting lucky.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think that's great. And I, First of all, I love this question. Um, And it's a really interesting because I think last year, if I was asked if this was me, medi- I would say yes but this is the first year I've ever really just covered the whole league and and watched every other team, um, as well as the Pacers. And, you know, and just looking at how the teams run, like, trust me, I I talk to people on the regular who are from out of market, um, who just tell me how much they respect and appreciate the Pacers. And I know it's hard to, to look at the team and look at, you know, 48 wins and out every year. Um, but I think, A, things are changing. I think, as you mentioned, I think it's clear they're not okay with it. Otherwise, it would have stuck with Nate for another year. Um, but I, I do think there's a lot to, to appreciate and look forward to. Um, in terms of looking at the draft and, and tanking, I agree this team's never going to tank. Um, and I'm fine with that. I mean, I think that's not how this team wins or gets to a level. I think that tanking in some ways can be, I don't want to say nice, because maybe I'm a little bit too averse to it. But I think that the Pacers are, you know, and this is something I, I've worked on in, in stuff outside of Indy corn Rose I mean, if you're going to win as a small market, you do it on the margins. And I think the Pacers mm-hmm. do that in a lot of ways. One thing that's been really interesting to me that I've learned a ton as I've gotten closer with the team and, and how things work, the, the Pacers have a top five training staff in the league. And that means a lot, a lot more than I realized coming in. Um, so when I talked to David West the, the, for the first time, uh, when we did a pod together, he talks about how that was like the number one reason for why he came to Indiana. Because he had his first major injury uh, that caused him to miss the majority of the season when he was in his last year in New Orleans. And he came to the Pacers because of Josh Corbeil, And he named the entire training staff who are all still with the Pacers. So I think, you know, you look at this team really gets by by trying to – buy high on guys who are a little bit injury prone. You look at TJ Warren. I mean, he was on track to play the most games of his career this year, and that's in due part to the training staff. Uh, Malcolm Brogdon, who while he had a myriad of injuries this year, that's why the Pacers were able to get him in and bring him on because he is an injury prone guy. He struggled with staying healthy in in Milwaukee. And so the front office says, okay, we have a great training staff. We're going to bring in somebody like Malcolm who has struggled with injuries but is a great talent if we can keep him healthy. So they have a lot of reliance on their training staff. Obviously, you don't really get to talk to the training staff uh, as the media, but you know just from from word around the league and from talking to to trainers, like they are good and they know what they're doing. I mean, Danny Granger, the fact that he stayed upright for as long as he did before – he had his injuries. That's a testament to, to the training staff. Um, you know, I think that's that's something very important that you look at. And the, the way, the, the reasons that things come through free agency and trades, and especially trades, is because the team's never going to draft high enough to really get somebody who's going to be, a, a, you know, they got lucky with Paul George falling because he went to a smaller school and, and things worked out right. Um, it, but the, my, my point is you, you have to win on the margins as a small market like Indiana. And I think they're willing to do that. And I do think there's a talent on this team when it's put together right. And with I really still think it's one to two more guys. I mean, they're Eastern Conference Finals contenders. I don't think that they're um, title contenders. But again, with this team, I think it just comes back to um, I, I don't always love the term "something has to break," right? But I think for the large part, that's true. You know, you have yeah. to have something break right because I think as long as Giannis is in Milwaukee. The Bucks are going to be the the favorites to get out of the East every year, um. So that's you know that's just kind of what you look at with that. But if all it takes is one injury or one an extra bounce of the ball against Philadelphia in Game Seven of the semifinals, I mean, like it, anything anything can happen, and you just need a couple of bounces one way or another, and things can fall through the right way. So I think the Pacers are definitely in line to make it to that to that level. Absolutely, and they are do yes it's about time <laughs> they haven't been doing eastern conference finals in seven years so that means they're up for a string of two or three because that's what normally happens so that's right yeah well uh tom you got any closing thoughts before we get out of here
0: no i appreciate all the uh questions coming in i know we had a lot everything get to so um i love love hearing from the community as always because everybody's so insightful and and um Certain pockets have their passions, but I think it's always a good, respectful group of Patriots fans that we, uh, we're we able to interact with. So really appreciate all the questions. I know um, you never know what's going to happen with the mailbag. But I think uh, everybody's got I, I have questions myself. I, you know, this offseason is going to be fun to see how some of these things are uh, actually answered.
1: I fully agree. Yeah, thank you again to everyone who, who sent in questions. We will definitely be doing these more in the future. I uh, just wanted to test it out first and see how it went, and I think this has been great. Um, apologies to everyone who we did not get to. Um, if you want, try and send that in to me again, and I'll, I, I can get back to you individually. But uh, to everyone listening, thank you for listening. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Check us out on Spotify, and be sure to read us over at IndyCornrows.com. Thank you, and have a great rest of your day, and go Pacers.